Welcome to Not Your Mama's Relief Society podcast, where we are kicking the culture to the curb and embracing real talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ. No matter what, you are welcome here. So put your differences aside, pull up a chair, and let's talk about the kind of love he taught us. Hey guys, before we start this week's episode, I want to read a really special review that I got because it's from someone who is not a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. She had messaged me and let me know that she has a family member who is LDS and she wanted to do some research and be more knowledgeable so she could be more supportive, which I thought was just so beautiful that she would take the time to do that. So her review says, I am learning more about the LDS Church, and this morning searched Relief Society in podcast and listened to episode 10. Beautiful. What marvelous testimonies. Your podcast is inspiring, and I will be listening to all. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to create your podcast. That was from Orange Beach Missy. Thank you so much for that review. If you have not yet left a review and you love the podcast, would you give me the best Christmas gift you could give me and go leave a review? It helps other people find the podcast, and it means a lot to me. So before we get going on this episode, I also wanted to say that as I edited this episode and listened to it again, it made me cry more than once because it's about adoption, but it's really about family, and it's really about how we love in a family. And I just thought, what beautiful timing that this episode's coming out the week before Christmas. So with all your busy schedules and all the things going on this crazy last week before the big finale event of Christmas Day, before that happens, really take time to focus on your family and feel that love and feel that peace and to focus on the Savior. All right, without further ado, this week's episode. Okay, friends, welcome back. I have two of the most amazing humans on the show. We have Bonnie and David McIver are some of the like gems of the planet. That's not a saying. I just oh, made it up right now. You're but so you're, sweet. You're just I'll, I'll one of the greatest that. gems. Greatest gems on the planet. We're, you know what? Just wait. That's going to become like an actual saying. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> I hope it does. It's terrible. But really, they are just incredible human beings. We actually used to be in the same ward many moons ago, and our babies used to play. Yes. But I have always been inspired by their incredible story and their incredible faith and their testimony and We've actually been talking about this interview for a long time. Like even before this podcast started, Bonnie and David were on my list to interview. And I told them a long time ago, just you wait, just you wait and just you wait. (laughs) It's going to happen. And you know what? Things keep happening. But here we are. Finally, all the babies are either gone or asleep. And we're going to have this conversation. And I'm so excited. Yeah. So it's going to happen. It is. So is there anything you guys want to tell these listeners about you and your family? Well, we live in Missouri and um, we've lived here for about a year. We decided to bring our family here and kind of carve out a different lifestyle. And um, we've got three beautiful kids that keep us super busy. And um, David works from home. And so we are just together all the time and we love it we love being out here and we're super excited to share our story tonight I love that David anything you want to add uh yeah we um I guess as Bonnie said we moved from Arizona where I was driving a lot to work and you know with the pandemic working at home already we thought why live in a place that we're having to travel a lot and not our not have our ideal home so we just uprooted and thought we'd go to a place that had more tornadoes so we came to Missouri. <laughs> yeah because that makes sense it yeah. totally does <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah i mean because why not tornadoes are a good time right yeah no That's yeah we're I loving hear. it here and working from home is nice so it doesn't matter if the weather's inclement or if it's good outside it doesn't really matter i can just walk upstairs log in and then be home when i'm off just be right here at home all the time so it's great That is amazing. I love that for you guys. And you have such a fun and close marriage. And it's always been inspiring to me too, how, how well you guys treat each other and how committed you are to each other. I love that. We do like each other. You do. And you can tell, like just being around, like you can tell couples that really genuinely enjoy each other and that like legit like each other, not just 
oh, I love them. Like you actually like each other as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You really do. And it, it shows you guys. And, and the thing is, is that I know you guys, I know that wasn't just like, la la la, like you put work in and you make your marriage a priority and you make each other a priority. And right. it shows that you do that. Right. Yeah, I've always just enjoyed being with Bonnie. Doesn't matter if it's at home watching The Office or if we're out doing something fun. Because oftentimes we didn't have a lot of money earlier in our marriage, and so we just were like, "Hey, what's we had no kids and no money. Why as well just stay home and have fun watching TV or something?" So <laughs> yeah, we made it. She work. is a good time. Enough. Yeah, yeah, I like that. You guys are just amazing. Okay, well, let's dive into it. Let's talk about your story and your sweet babies and just. All, all the good things. So I'm just going to let you rock and roll and tell us the story. Okay. Okay. So we have been married for 17 years. And when we got married, like right off the bat, we were like, let's just have babies. Well, we debated it because we're like, should we like wait a couple weeks? Should we like <laughs> keep a joke that we'd say? <laughs> yes. And so that's really the approach we took. We're like, it's in the Lord's hands. And, um, I just didn't get pregnant and I didn't get pregnant and I didn't get pregnant for almost 10 years. Um, yeah, we've, we've had, um, we had so many like negatives that it almost became like a point of desperation where we were like, what, what are we going to do? How are we going to have kids? You know? And it was also like the biggest desire of our hearts. And mm-hmm. we felt this gaping hole we knew that it was something we wanted and we weren't gonna not we weren't gonna be okay just not having kids and so and we always had we were the uncle aunt that that would would take the nieces and nephews out and have them spend the night and so we always did a lot of fun things but we wanted that for ourselves as well yeah so we um we did eventually have a surprise pregnancy and we felt like oh my gosh it's it's over like heavenly father took away our trial and it's done and we passed it and then um really fast they miscarried and well it was the day that i passed my stockbroker exam that i've been studying for a year so the day i got back from the test right you you found you're pregnant or you told me you're pregnant so to me it felt like oh wow this is a sign yeah finally happened where it's all coming together and we were so happy and excited. And then it just fell apart. Um, well, not the, not his stockbroker said he kept right. that. That was good. But like our, the pregnancy didn't within, work within out. Week, and um, yeah. and there's really not much of an explanation. And then um, we've actually had several more of those, that same scenario where um, I would get pregnant and then lose, lose it really fast. So we, eventually got to the point where, um, you know, the, the topic of adoption came up for us and we were, well, maybe just to add to that too, because what was such a struggle for me, because I remember that time in particular, I gave Bonnie a blessing and, you know, as a priesthood holder, return missionary, I was like, Oh, you know, we can overcome this. And when she thought she was having a miscarriage and I, and I remember putting my hands in her head and trying to feel inspiration, trying to give her a blessing. And then when it all fell apart, I, I had my first crisis of like faith where I thought like, okay, this isn't going to work. You know, this is like, we were, I felt totally alone in that moment. And Bonnie yeah. even had her dad come over and give us both the blessing afterwards because it was really difficult. Yeah. And, and we had talked about adoption at times, but a lot of, we, we didn't have a good understanding of what that would look like. And a lot of times we would bring it up and then feel really bummed out. And we'd, we kind of had all these negative ideas in our mind about it. And it seemed like we were taking someone else's baby. Yeah. It just felt really yeah. sad to us, which for sure there are those, you know, it's so complex, but anyhow, we eventually got to the point where we got in contact with LDS family services. And this was back in the days that they still were facilitating adoptions. And we went to like an open house or, or, um, yeah, okay. Come learn about the process. Yeah. So we went one night and um the lady that was speaking to share about adoption was an adoptive mom and she shared yeah, and she shared a picture of 
her family with one of her kids' birth moms. And David was like, I, I know her. Like, I grew up with her. And oh, so really? Friend, yeah. And he's like, oh, my gosh. Like, she, this lady adopted, you know, my friend's baby. And so, he, and hearing about their adoption, and they have a very open adoption, initially, we were like, no, we're not going to do that. Yeah, well, like, that's nice and good, we, but not for us. Yeah. Well, <laughs> as open as we'll be is like th- they can send letters to a PO box, like that's what we wanted initially. So yeah, you know, fast forward, we got certified, we got um, everything started falling into place, and um, we got matched up with an expectant mother uh, in Tucson. And she was pretty early on. And so we started texting and we met and but like, remember when we drove down there? Cause we're, and we thought we're like, cause in our minds, we had so many biases. We didn't even know at the time, but we're like, she, what if she's a drug addict? What if she's like crazy? <laughs> and we go down right. to the mall in Tucson and she's like this beautiful, sweet. I don't remember how old she was, Rachel, 20, 20s, 20 something, just this bright little, you know, lady, trying you know, like, to just trying to do the <laughs> right thing in her life. And, totally like we were so dumb like we just didn't know so much but she we met her and it was like all of the walls that we wanted to have to put up and they just fell away because we instantly connected with her we started texting and um and she had a baby girl and that baby girl came to our family and we actually were there in the hospital um so that was our oldest daughter Bryn and she's eight almost nine now and we have had a very open adoption with Bryn's birth mom and like she's come to um, stay with us overnight to visit and yeah we actually went on a family vacation to the beach in yeah California one time together <laughs> we took her to California yeah. with us and um uh, just a lot of those like insecurities that we had initially um, they had to fall away because we did not understand the, the type of love and the type of relationship that we were going to be experiencing once we were in that. And right. yeah, it, it's just, it was so easy to love somebody who I could, I literally was watching her break her own heart so that she could provide something for my baby girl and give her something that she couldn't um on her own and and then at the same time she was making me a parent she was giving me the gift of motherhood and it was incredible to see that and I was so grateful and I know not every adoption story goes like that and not every um it, it was pretty it was pretty dreamy the whole thing yeah very Just, yes very it was dreamy. A perfect situation it worked out so great yeah so after you know a few years of raising our little girl we you know, started thinking ahead of like, okay, well, we want to have more kids. And we started hoping and praying and wanting to adopt again. And Elias Family Services was no longer offering right. that service anymore. Right. So then we were like, well, how are we going to do this? Because to go through an agency adoption is so much, so much money. And um, there's a lot more like ethical or ethical concerns that get brought up and I mean there's ethical concerns in any adoption story but um it, it felt a lot of agencies felt like they were literally marketing kids and were like mm-hmm. hey you know thirty thousand dollars or forty thousand dollars I just felt it felt like more of a business than what LDS family services experience yeah. was yeah okay and that doesn't mean that that's going to be the story of every agency because I know right. that there's, there's some amazing amazing places out there so just for right us, but that was the experience build... you guys had was with yeah. a few agencies that's how exactly. it, it just wasn't yes. filmed great wasn't yeah great. you know we were trying to kind of look in to see what we were what we could do and we eventually landed with just trying to privately place so basically getting the word out hey does anyone know anyone that wants to place their baby and maybe they'd get to know us and they'd think that we were the right match you know and so we posted about it all over Facebook and um once it was like the summer of 2016 we had one of our um, contacts who was helping us with our adoption stuff she said hey I've been talking to some this woman and um she would like to meet you guys. So we were super excited and we went and met with this lady in um, Phoenix and 
she was very early pregnant and she was like, okay, well. It was kind of rough. Like it was a rough part of town. It, it, yeah. It was she was rough. very rough on the edges. Just, it was a totally opposite experience than her yeah. first one. But she was like, okay, yeah, you can adopt my baby. And then we were like, oh my gosh, like this is incredible. And it would have been, you know, about maybe the end of the year, um, maybe January, December, January. And um, so we talked to our attorney and we were getting everything set up for it. And instantly, like from night to day, there was a difference in the conversation with this woman. Like as she would talk to us um, in our text messages, it was really sweet. And then like one night she was demanding cash from us. And I was like, and she wanted well, to meet up at a gas station. Yeah. Like, and... please, I need oh, you to bring okay. me. I'm, I'm entitled to this much per month. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like we never even talked about this. And it, it suddenly turned into this really uncomfortable situation where I was like, I'm not buying a baby from you. Like, I don't want it to come off. That right. Um, and then the next day it would, turned back to like a very sweet normal conversation and so it was really confusing and we talked to our attorney and she was like you know there's a really good chance that there's some drug use involved and when they're very desperate for something that they might be hitting you up a little bit harder for cash and we were like oh my goodness and so we we tried to work out that situation and it just got didn't i think we did give some cash right like we we did, did yeah but then it it just got kind of iffy and it started it just turned sour really fast and so we decided um we prayed about it and thought about it and we were like we have to walk away from this situation it just didn't feel right and what was hard is we had already chosen a name um right we talked about because she because she was really adamant she wanted a normal name she said so at the time we're like maybe william like we want the name william but we we didn't we had just like said that we'd like that name or yeah whole process and so we were yeah. pretty well, committed and then it sounds like yeah like you're kind of already getting invested you're already getting emotionally attached like you know you're getting excited about this potential baby to join your family and then to have this weird dissonance come in of like you know her personality shifting and you know the demand she's making and that'd be really heartbreaking to like be excited about that again and have another disappointment yeah, yeah. It, it was actually very it was really hard emotionally. It like kind of broke me and I had kind of a panic attack slash mental freak out. I don't know. It was just a really, it was just a really dark time and we needed to just kind of get away. So, you know, we like packed up and went to California with our little family for the weekend and um, kind of reset. And then after that, it was like, okay, we'll just, let's just go forward and maybe we won't be getting a baby anytime soon and that's whatever you know we were just kind of like so burned and but I kept having this nagging feeling of like what if there's a little baby boy that's gonna come to us in December and I was like why do I keep feeling that like that didn't make any sense at all and then my daughter's birth mom got pregnant and she initially was wanting to parent her baby and um, you know, her and the dad wanted to get married and, and we were like, oh my gosh, that's so exciting. Like totally on board with that and excited that we would be able to like see her have her own baby after, you know, placing with us. And, but it wasn't long before some choices were made in their own life and they kind of had to reevaluate where they were and they did end up choosing to place and that the cool baby. thing was they they came to visit before they told us that they yes. at the time that they're still considering parenting they came to visit and they're telling us all about it and she's like oh and we have a name we chose william and that's when Aww. bonnie and i kind of both looked at each other we're like oh it was okay. like we we just talked about that name like if it was we love that name it and... was extremely <laughs> coincidental but when they left bonnie and i both had the thought of like are we gonna have this baby like is this is this gonna come to us she did eventually choose that and she let us know and we were just like so blown away and grateful and excited and my heart also was aching for her because it's such a hard thing to do and it meant you know it was her walking away from some dreams of her own and because we spent a good hour talking with her at least her and the birth dad 
you know, talking about how she wanted a parent and we're like super supportive. Like, yeah, you should do this. That's great for you. And so now we had to put on a new hat of like, oh, we're going to step in as, as the adoptive parents again. And so it was right. a little bit of a about face that happened. It was interesting. Yeah. Right. But I think it speaks to the kind of people you two are that you would be genuinely so happy for her to like parent this baby. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't yeah. know if you two realize how incredible you are that you sat <laughs> well, in that space. <laughs> you listen, like you guys are incredible. You are like aching to grow your family. Your daughter that you have already adopted has a half sibling coming along. And this woman's like, I really, really want to parent this baby. And you guys just have these incredible loving hearts and are like, yes, we're here for it. We love you. We want to support you. I, I don't, I just want that to be pointed out that you guys are incredible, that that was the attitude that you had. And cause what if you had been like, Oh, well, I don't know if that's a good idea. Or like yeah. you weren't supportive. <laughs> and then later she's like, well, I don't want this baby anymore and I'm not giving it to you, whatever it, you know, right. like it just could have gone a whole different route. Had you guys not been the people that you are. Well, and that is all. On, well, thank you for that. Andy. And, and honestly with our, with both our birth parent, both of birth moms and, and the birth dads we've met, like it's, it's, it's hard to express the gratitude we felt for like, for their choice. And um, like we in return and, and people oftentimes are like, Oh, you guys are so wonderfully adopted. I'm like, you don't realize like how much these children healed our hearts and how much their birth parents like gave up to us. And so I'm like, like, we're so honored. People don't understand our perspective. Like, no, we are in debt. Yeah, we're the lucky ones. And, and, you know, I really have felt, I believe that there is some profound spiritual, like heavenly power that is involved with adoptions because what happens to hearts that come together and do that, it's, it's almost like you would think almost unnatural, but there's something that happens to, um, everyone involved that is it changes us it's very purifying and it's a christ-like um love that just grows in that kind of a scenario and that's really what we experienced as as we transitioned from thinking we were going to be like yay you're gonna have a baby and then to us turning into like yay we're having a baby it was just yeah us you know i think that heavenly father really blesses and watches out for the people involved in those situations, especially women who are making that choice that are, you know, trying to do what's best for that baby. And um, so that's where our little William came from. But. Um, so we learned about him first. We learned about he was, him. Might be born for a few more yeah, months. Yeah, so he was due in May. And um, we started, you know, being kind of supportive of you know when his birth mom needed to go to doctor's appointments I would drive down there and I would like down to Tucson and I would say like hey like let me help you and um, if she needed something I would take her to the store and we'd go shopping together and so this one time I was down in Tucson and I was with her at a store and someone called and said hey are you still looking to adopt and I was like well yeah I guess like kind of this scenario and and maybe to put some perspectives even though we just said yeah we'd love to adopt this william we still weren't sure you know anything could happen it could be a miscarriage it could be right it's too soon to tell well and that wasn't it's not our baby until she signs paperwork like we weren't like she gets to have that that choice to change her mind up until she signs papers yeah Yeah. And, and so we i would never place any like oh yeah that's my baby how dare you you know so yeah um so I was just kind of like, I don't know. And then, but I was literally standing with uh, my other kid's birth mom. So I was like, what do you think? And she's like, you should go for it. You can totally <laughs> handle two babies. And I was like, oh, it probably wouldn't even happen. But like, I'll just say, yeah, send me information or whatever. Yeah. And um, and then fast forward a few I days. You called me. Bonnie called me from Tucson, all excited. And I was like on a walk. I was like, just, I logged off work. I was going on a walk just to get a walk in. And she called me, I'm like out of breath. I'm like, what's going on? She's like, hey, there's this other baby. And I was like, what? Like, I... And I, yeah. think I even was like, oh, don't worry. It probably won't happen. So I was like, and he was I'm all like, like, 
can we commit to two? Like, you realize how much I do or do not make, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He was like, he was all was like realistic, factual, right? Like, but uh, I was like, on, like, come on, let's dream about it. And so, um, you know, having the blessing of our one, you know, birth mother, we felt like we could at least say, sure, send us, you know, count us as interested. And so, um, several days later, I got a Facebook message from my friend, Angie and Angie is an adoptive mom. She was She's the, the one, one yeah, that... that taught that like seminar that first got our feet into adoption. And we okay. had met through different adoption, like trainings. And, um, so she knew that we were hoping to adopt because she would follow our hoping to adopt page on Facebook. So she was like, are you guys still looking to adopt? And I was like, yes. And she was like, okay, so I know of the situation. And she just launched into this huge message about, she's like, I just can't get you guys out of my mind. And I'm talking to somebody who's, um, she's having a baby like in the next week or so. And it's a little boy. And um, we were like, what is this and so I was like could this be the same like scenario that someone else called me about and it turns out it was like two separate people completely unrelated contacted me about our son Zion and it was December of 2016 that we had that he was born and um we he was born actually on the 10th so his birthday's coming up Oh, yeah. And we met him and his birth mom on the 14th. So she had him and took him home for a few days um, until she was ready to meet with us. And we met her at our friend Angie's house. And we talked for hours and hours and hours. And, and we, brought, we brought Brynn with us. Yeah. And Brynn was being super cute. And because she was the birth, Zion's birth mom was looking for a biracial family, biracial couple, because... Um, Zion's birth dad was black and she's she was Hispanic and so she she was just you know hesitant to just be like hey here's a white family she wanted to make sure there was some I don't know some biracial understanding going on some diversity to understand yeah, exactly. that yeah so when she saw Bryn and she told us later that when she saw Bryn interact with me she's like oh this family is biracial like they, they got this yeah so. like what you well maybe you should but... explain that yeah. Bryn is biracial Yes. Brand is biracial. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> so I think that that kind of helped bridge the gap, but also we just really like hit it off that night. And we talked for like three hours. That so night. many hours. And she is just easy and delightful. And she would cry at times talking about like why she's co- contemplating such a decision. But then she could make a joke and laugh and just it was so cuddly and easy to get into the groove with and we were and just to back it up a little bit Zion's birth mom we did tell her that there was a potential of us adopting another baby and she was okay with it so that was put out there and she knew it and so there wasn't any like we wanted her to know it when, when she's like hey I want you to take this baby we didn't want her to be like whoa 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 you had another baby coming in you took this one you know right like you wanted to be up front no, with her yeah we're, we're kind of greedy so yeah, no um, <laughs> the crazy give me all the babies we, we went home with zion that night um and we were just completely teary-eyed and david had to go to walmart in the middle of the night and go buy you know diapers and formula and some fun, little boy clothes and I was walking around picking out clothes for my boy. I was like, this is so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um... It's a miracle. And also, I want to once again point out your incredible nature. Because I remember when you told me the story, like, way back when it happened, right? And, you know, it had been, like, days afterwards. You caught me up on the story, Bonnie. I remember you telling me about how she was worried about, like, the biracial aspect, right? And then, yeah, she sees how loving David is Bryn. And, okay, there's this loving connection there and I remember you talking about how that she realized that it wasn't that she really wanted the biracial couple what she wanted was acceptance and love and like generosity like she wanted these values and she saw the values in you guys and that's what made her like change her mind like okay they don't have to be biracial themselves but I can see that they are the kind of people that would love and accept anybody from what whatever background race they have and that's what made her like fall in love with you guys yeah and I remember like being so touched by that I'm like well 
duh, like anyone that hangs out Bonnie and David <laughs> would feel that way. So, but again, like that again speaks to like the character of you too, that who you are, who you show up as, right? Because she saw that in this conversation with you, that that's the kind of people that you are. Oh, thank you, Annie. And I'm glad, I really am so grateful that we had those few hours that she and I and David were talking that we were able to see a lot of who we were. It was incredibly informative and like intimate in a way of getting to know each other. And, and that's how she was able to make that kind of a tremendous decision is because it was more than just based off of, it wasn't just off of facts of like, okay, well, they're good people because the state said that they can adopt kids. But right. it was, the spirit was able to be there and communicate what needed to be communicated to our hearts to know, like, this is the right situation. And she later confirmed that as we, so we've, you know, we'll go over more details, but, you know, fast forward, we've got to know Christy really well. And um, she's, there's been several times. Christy is Zion's birth mom. And several times yeah. she's, you know, we've, we've, she's visited with us and, one time before we moved away from Arizona, I was talking to her and about how we wanted in that room and how the room felt different the second time. And she did say, she's like, yeah, no, I felt something that night too. It's like, she felt the spirit. It was actually yeah. really cool to confirm that with her. That is yeah. cool. Yeah. So, you know, we placed, Zion was placed with us on a Wednesday and. The next um, day we called the attorney. We called the attorney and they were like, <laughs> so like, what's the last name? And we were like, oh, we don't know. Like, <laughs> We just had this baby with minor like, detail. details. Listen, yeah. we just had like a miracle. Like we're not worried about last names. Okay, right. Like that's <laughs> we not didn't really... very many details at all. So we had to like <laughs> gather up all of that. But we also had already been scheduled to go down to Tucson because um, Bryn's birth mom Rachel was having her ultrasound to find out the gender of the baby, and mm. so we showed up to this ultrasound with another baby, and I felt like the greediest person ever. Like I. It was, it was a weird feeling. It was really weird. I was like, oh, here's my one. Later. Give me the other one. But yeah. that's not how I was going about it. It just felt like, how can I, how can I? Well, I joked around that I when I know. walk up to every lady in that room, like, do you want, do you want, can I have your baby? Can I have your baby? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right, David. But, yeah. you know, we were, we were just like blown away with like how, um, how it had all worked out and we had the blessing of those people that were part of the process that were, that mattered the most. And, you know, Rachel, I remember her saying, can I hold him? And she was holding Zion in her arms. And so our one, our daughter's birth mom was holding our other son. That's is not her biological son and loving and on loving him. On, and yeah. And it was just incredible to see that. And, you know, that day we found out that she was indeed having a little boy and I knew it. I just, I had known it all along. I was like, she's having a boy. That's our William. Yeah. And, um, and he's, yep, yeah, he's here. He's our William now. And there was some really rough days in the, probably the week or so that followed after oh, Zion's placement weeks, yeah. and Chrissy hurt bad. Like she was, it just broke her heart so bad. And she was mourning and she was trying to decide if that was really the best thing. And she was going back and forth on her decision. She's like, I don't know. I just am worried. What if this isn't the right thing? And, and we are hearing through other people, like through her, her um, sister-in-law who knew our friends. And so we had, we were hearing things, but not directly from her. So we, yeah. so it caused all this extra anxiety of like going, is she not, she, is she not wanting to talk to us? Like what's, what's yeah. going so on? So she did eventually start um, communicating back with us. And she was like, I'm just really worried. I made the wrong choice. And I was like, listen, if this, if this is your baby, I, I don't want your baby. Like, I want you to know that he's yours until you sign papers to say he's not like, I don't have claim on him. And, and you can say, if you need to change your mind, then do that. But, but please, please do, do it, it sooner soon. than later, because I could feel like we were falling in love with him and I could feel yeah. that bonding happening. And, and my daughter was falling in love with him, you know, like it, I mean, it doesn't take more than a second to fall in love with that baby. And so it was like, but then once, once for me, once I, once I knew, and this is one of the things I wanted to share in one of your questions was, you know, what we learned from it and stuff. And for me, when, once I knew that she was doubting, I told Bonnie, like, wait a minute, I am not ready to get burned again. Cause we had just had that failed adoption right. a few months before. So I was feeling pretty guarded. And then I felt like I, 
literally felt this guard go up. Well, not like I didn't love him, but I did. But I, I was feeling myself putting him at a distance a little bit. Right, and, to try to protect yourself. Yeah, and and I was feeling torn because I felt really guilty about that. But it was also like, well, I don't want to. I just knew what would happen to me if in two days he disappeared. I was like, this is going to be a really dark time for me. So I was trying to like manage that. And I think Bonnie even just said, hey, the, the new Star Wars movie came out. So she's like, just go to the movies by yourself. Just have a night. Just like relax. <laughs> and so I did that. And like on the way home, and it was like a Star Wars movie. But like I found myself halfway through like just bawling like a baby, which I, I take a pride in saying that I don't normally do that. But like, just for whatever reason, I was just like, hitting. I was like, this movie's about a, a guy and his daughter. I have my son, and maybe he's not mine. And so I just like really hit me. Um, yeah, of course. So I drove home like almost like like cry yelling at Holy Father, like, tell us now, figure this out, get it done. <laughs> so that's where we were. And I forget if it was before you talked to Angie about the scripture or later, but at one point I had the revelation as I was praying about it that I should just let just let my guard down and i even put a post on bonnie's family's like private facebook page where i said um i when i had that epiphany i said i don't know if he's gonna be mine for just a day for just a week or just a month but i've decided to love him with my entire heart Hmm. and that was a huge lesson for me and it it broke down all those barriers and he just was all in no matter if it was forever or for just a few days and until um until we were able to meet up with christy again um we just kind of held on to that like we're we're all in no matter what and And that's kind of shaped me as a dad like since then like i need to be all in like i don't care if it's i don't care if this area gets reciprocated if things you know life happens and who knows what happens in the future but for now i need to be 100 percent. yeah and we also had a really beautiful thing happen because those those weeks it was about it was a couple weeks after zion's birth that it was a roller coaster of knowing like um is he is he gonna stay are they you know gonna change their mind all of all of those questions were coming up and um we got a picture from our friend Angie and it was a picture of a chalkboard that she had hanging in her kitchen and it was a chalkboard that they would write scriptures on for their family and she would make him up like make like do a cute typography on it and um the scripture that she had written on this chalkboard and she had had it up for a long time she said we'd even tried to erase in it it wouldn't really come off and so it had just been hanging there and she's like, I can't believe this. And so she sent that to us and it's from the doctrine and covenants 101 verse 16. And it says, therefore let your hearts be comforted concerning Zion for all flesh is in my hands. Be still and know that I am God. And, and then it was instantly like, God's trying to tell me that just, chill out I don't need to freak out because he is going to take care of Zion and for a little while I was like okay maybe he'll take care of Zion in another home but it reaffirmed to me to trust him and and to still um, to be still to know that he has all of us in his care and that was one of those like holy crap like God wrote that on that wall. Like that was crazy. Right. Like Same there's thing. no way you can doubt that's God. Right. And we didn't choose Zion's name. Christy named him and we kept it. And um, I so, mean, how could we change it? So after, a mutual like, third party wrote down her wall. Christy named him. And later it wasn't until after this thing, she's like, Hey, wait a minute, I realized the scripture was on my wall the night you guys met her. Like it's just kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, she did Christy came over to our house one night. And um, those same feelings of that the spirit had given us that first night, those same feelings were back. Like the spirit was confirming to all of us again, like this is going to be okay. And especially to Christy, she needed that. She needed to know that God was being mindful of her and her baby. And so she said, okay, I feel good about this. I'm going to sign. And so fast forward, she signed fast forward again. William was born 
five months after Zion, we had these two little boys that are not quite twins, and they're... William's white, like, <laughs> transparently white. He's very fair-skinned. This so white little blonde boy. Zion loves music and sports, and William's kind of clumsy but loves cars. It's just... Oh, and his hundred cars and trucks, and he's so boy, and he's like a little ninja, and they're... they're it's like it's yin yang in our house. Yes. They're two different kids. But they but they complement each other so well and they love each other so well. And I am looking forward to knowing why Heavenly Father wanted them to be brothers that are only five months apart. There's I think that throughout their lives they're gonna be there for each other. And they less... both got their mission call at the same time and came to our family. So <laughs> Yeah. I think yeah. that they're the Heavenly Father really knew that they needed each other. And and I needed them and our whole we just needed each other, all of us in this family, because we came together in a way that was unconventional. Sure. But I don't feel one bit of um like they're not mine because they are. They you know, sometimes people will say something to the effect of like oh like you've never had your own baby and I'm like oh I have like yeah I didn't birth them but these are my own there I couldn't feel any more um, tenderly passionate like fierce about another child is what I feel about these three kids and I mean the the hours that I pray trying to make sure that I'm at least keeping some semblance of like the right things as a mother trying to do the right thing. Um, The hours of dedication of putting in um, the work, the, all of it. Right. Well, there's so much to mothering that is nurturing, right? Like we, we can point out lots of examples. We won't, but like there's lots of examples in this world of people who have birthed children, but have no connection with them. So yeah. it has to be more than just birth, right? right? Because if that was the case, we wouldn't have all these kids in foster care, right? Like I worked in a foster care group home for a year and watched that firsthand of the trauma that comes from these children. And you know what I mean? Like there has to be yeah. more than just birthing a baby to be a mother. And yeah. you are an incredible mother. And it's been such a blessing to watch you and to watch how intentional you are about your parenting because you love those babies so much and hundred percent they are yours. Mm-hmm. I was just gonna say sometimes there's been like a whole swath of time that I've forgotten that we've even adopted. Like I, I know Chrissy's there. I know Rachel, the birth moms, like I, we had that relationship. It's just become so normalized. That's not until yeah. I'm giving a talk in church about our adoption or like sharing this experience. Like, Oh yeah, we adopted, but like day to day, random Thursday nights. It's just our family. It's just, yeah. it's very much. And, and that does extend to our, kids birth moms um because they are this like extension of our family where it doesn't maybe I don't know how to relate it to anything else besides maybe a really close aunt or something I don't know but but it's still so unique because they the kids get it like yeah William our youngest he calls himself he recently he's all hey dad I'm a Rachel McIver because Rachel's his birth mom I'm like yeah I guess you're kind of a Rachel (laughs) McIver so um yeah and so like they all classify themselves like Zion's like yeah I'm a Christie I'm like yeah I guess and so it's just it's very live in our family we all know about the details so yeah I love that and I love that you had said Bonnie earlier that you talked about this this mom is breaking her heart so she can heal yours and what a beautiful beautiful gift that was and what a gift you're giving your children to be able to know all of their family and oh, I know absolutely. that that's not always the case, right? And it can't always be the case, right? Yeah. Like there are, uh, there's certainly situations where it wouldn't be healthy for there to be an open adoption, right? Right. But for right. you guys, it did work out that way. And a large part of that is, you know, again, who you are and, you know, the people that you are, but also like the work that all of you put in to make it so that these kids can be connected to every piece of them. And what yes. a gift that's going to be for them growing up, especially to know their birth mom and to know where they come from. And we hear all these stories about kids who've grown up adopted and 
they're they're seeking that peace because they just want to know that part of their history through their whole life you're giving them that and like just what a gift to your kids well and I I had read something that says said to the effect of like if you are gonna bad mouth your kids birth families like that's part of them they're hearing yep. that and they're, they're gonna internalize that so on the flip side if I am praising and loving and celebrating their birth families then they're gonna say like yeah mom loves every part of me even this part that maybe we can't fully understand but we love it and you know we don't have birth father relationships with for all of our kids and so some of those are a little bit more obscure or even mysterious like we don't know everything but um that's okay because we can still say maybe you know like you maybe you get that from your birth father and that's a really cool thing and yeah and Brittany even has filled in details she's like oh yeah my birth dad he lives across the other side of the mountain I'm like, yeah sure why not like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure maybe he does <laughs> yeah we don't know yeah <laughs> she could totally be right yeah right exactly. so and the fact is like I love every part of my kids and that includes their birth history and right and it's exciting and fun for me to know like oh hey they've got you know in this line um that they have this trend of whatever and um well it's helped us branch out too to like like bonnie was so great to sign us up to like the different adoption groups and so like when we adopted Bryn, our daughter since she's biracial bonnie signed us up to like join different there's an lds black barbecue group was it black barbecue or just black lds either way we went to a couple barbecues where like these biracial families were there that was the whole focus of it and so we'd be able to expand and I remember one time just, you know, push myself way outside of my comfort zone. I, I met a guy and I friended him on Facebook and I was like, hey, I need more black friends. And this is really awkward for me to say that. And but just like we wanted to have more <laughs> diversity in our life and we wanted our kids to to see more color because, yeah, we, sure. We're... Well, especially when you've got a daughter who that's that's part of her heritage. That's part of who right. she is. And yeah. you want to have that in your culture as well, because yeah. that also helps her to feel like. But just that that gives her this piece of belonging. That's what I'm looking for. It gives her some belonging. If you have lots of diversity in your immediate like corner in your community so that she doesn't feel like she's the only one or in this sea of white people, you know? Right. Yes, absolutely. Well, and we, I mean, the fact of the matter is I am going to have different experiences than my, than my boys and they might have different experiences from each other just because of what we look like to society. And, yeah. And I, we need as many resources as possible to make sure we can empower them. So, yeah, I love that. And I mean, you guys have kind of spoken to this already, but what has this, especially having an open adoption, how has that helped you just to love people around you in general? Obviously, it's been very impactful in how you've loved your children, right? And that you're both very oh, intentional yes. parents, but just the world around you. Like, how do you feel that this whole experience has helped you in your relationships with people around you? You know, it's actually been really interesting because I have become so very close to both of my kids' birth moms. And um, one of them is a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um, <laughs> but the other one is not. And it lives a lifestyle that's pretty different from ours. And yet, we get along so good. And I think what has helped is that I love her like to the moon and back and she could almost do no wrong. So it's, it's helped me to strip away any judgment or bias that I've had. And I just accept, I mean, if there's ever a time that I'm like, Oh, um, you know, this is, we do things differently because like, I'm not going to just sit there and be like, Oh, I'll never share anything about, you know, my standards or whatever. But I'm also not going to like stress about shoving it down their throats. And so. Well, and there's like. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. You said that. You said that well. And there's been times like, you know, Facebook and social media can be so divisive and it's easy to get in arguments with people. But like, I will never argue with my birth moms. And because like there was one time I just saw a post and I was like, I'm not going to comment on that. And. And it's helped me realize, like, maybe I should be a little more careful with other people and 
Yeah. Because I I will never ruin that relationship because we respect them so much. We don't have to agree with them 100% on everything, but we'll never let them feel like we aren't loving. And there's people in this world that I don't feel that way towards. I'm like, I, so a big lesson is like that, that Christ-like love that I feel towards them. I should probably try to reciprocate that more to other people. Yeah. Develop no, that. Yeah, for sure. Well, and actually I had a thought come to mind because Bonnie, you're talking about like not bad mouthing their birth mom because then that makes them feel like that you're not accepting a part of them. And it made me the, so follow my train of thought here, my ADHD okay. brain. But I thought, okay, I can relate to that because I really am conscientious about my children's father because I yes. don't ever um, want to speak ill of him because that's part of them. Right. Yes. And I don't ever want yep. them to feel like, so I'm like, yeah, I can relate to that feeling in a different way. Right. And it, then the thought after that came was, well, when we're bad mouthing anybody, I think that we start to kind of question, am I enough? Even if it's not this person we're related to, because yes, in that, in this context, totally. When we're bad mouthing someone that's related to us, we're like, Ooh, you know, but yeah. if you, if we stretch it further and that we're all family, if I'm hearing someone talk badly about someone and not like a, I'm hurt by them and I'm expressing my feelings, but like just trash talking someone and being very judgmental, I start to have walls come up a little bit of like, Ooh, okay. So what are you going to judge about me? <laughs> and right. am I okay? Am I enough <clears throat> as I am? Right. So I think that that is a lesson to be learned too, that yeah. the least amount that we can talk badly of anyone, the better. Because it doesn't create a sense of community and connection when we are just talking bad about people. And that it gives us this feeling of like, oh, then I probably can't belong. And we all want to belong so badly. That's our like core nature, right? To want to belong. And that if we want to be an inclusive society, probably one of the best ways to do that is not talk badly at people. To not ever give that division. The word that comes to mind as you were talking is charity. Yes, we know the pure love of Christ. That's our goal is we want to feel charitable to everybody. And that's a hard, it is hard. It is. But like you were saying, you love these birth moms for who they are and not who you want them to be. You're not trying to change them. You're not trying to make them be different people. You're just loving them where they're at and loving them because they're them. Yeah. And that's really powerful that you can do that. Well, that, that's, I think, the window we got is we got to see these two women who in many aspects just out in the world have differences than we do, like maybe live in different circles or, or whatever. But we got to see them beneath all that, the true people who they are. And I don't think I give that and I don't give other people, strangers, that same credit. And maybe I should because that's once you get to know people, I think the base sons and daughters of Heavenly Father and you get to know them at that level or love them at that level, your perception of them changes a lot. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, I can attest to the things you guys have been through have created this culture and environment in your home where all are welcome. I remember coming to you guys when I was struggling with the things I was struggling with and feeling so loved and so accepted and felt so warm in your presence and I even remember a time that we were having like a girls night or something and I had Evan and he was like freaking out. We didn't know why. And he just was having this huge upset. He was really little. And I didn't even know he was autistic at the time. He was just young. And I remember because I couldn't ask his dad to give him a blessing. And I remember I asked David and it was a really beautiful moment for me to see a man come in and use his priesthood power to like bless my child and to just love him like he was his own. And so I just, I can attest to the love that you guys have and how like, I just feel like I'm in a hug when I talk to you guys, like you are just Aww. kind and loving people and it's meant everything to me. And I know you've made a big impact in a lot of people's lives and yeah, it came at a high price tag, right? Like you guys went through some serious crap and you went through some yeah. really hard years, but what a beautiful result, the hearts that you have and the kind of people that you are. I'm really so grateful for the things that we did not get the things that we didn't, all of the prayers and the blessings and the fasting of, um, you know, 
hoping that different situations would work out, praying to be pregnant and um, all the tears that we shed over that. I'm so grateful that it didn't work out because I, I couldn't imagine having a better story that God, than what God wrote for us. Right. That is amazing. And kind of to wrap up, I wanted you guys to share about how this has brought you closer to your savior. Cause I've heard both of you share and, you know, share testimony about it. And it's always touched me the, the depth of your faith because of what you've been through. So I would love for you guys to share how this has brought you closer to the savior. I feel like in the moments when I'm really struggling, the least helpful thing I could do is to turn my back on God. I need him on my team. I need him to guide me and support me. And there have been some really profound spiritual communications that I've received in those desperate moments of wanting to understand how I'm building my family. And really when I felt like I was walking into darkness and I had no idea, I felt little um, promptings here and there that guided me. And, and I've always, I've always known that it was in the Lord's hands because that's where we put it. When we first got married, we're like, it's in the Lord's hands. And, and he made it more beautiful than I could ever have imagined. And I want my children to know, I want them to know Jesus (laughs) and to understand how good he is and how he takes away the hurt and makes, makes it worth it. Yeah. I remember for myself, it was, um, there was one, I forget at what stage now, cause it's kind of a blur. I'm also getting older. Annie, I forget things. But... I know. I mean, it happens. Like <laughs> we're old but, folk now. <laughs> at, at one point during the whole infertility thing, I remember one night just feeling very bitter about it. And and there were some nights I just felt bitter because it was so easy to see people that, you know, from the Facebook level or from just afar, it's like, man, they can just have a baby. They have their house. Things are just move, working out so well. Yeah. And especially in the church, seeing people with kids, like a young, you know, young couple with kids, it just it made me very frustrated at times. And there's one night I was with my dad and my brothers. We went to the priesthood session at the church building. I was sitting there and I don't even remember what was being said. It, it was a talk about something, but I felt the spirit. And then in my mind, the thought came, the atonement is infinite. And so I, I thought about that, like, how is the atonement infinite? And then I, I realized it's so infinite that not only does Jesus Christ not only did he experience the pain of infertility, he experienced the pain of infertility in 2010 or whenever it was I was filming that. He knows what it's yeah. like to go to a ward and see all these little kids and see these young couples. And th- he knows the feeling of envy. He knows the feeling of jealousy. Like it was really hard for me to to name that and say, oh, yeah, this is jealousy. But he felt that. And what's truly amazing is he felt it and he overcame it. So that in the moments that we feel it, we can give that to him. We don't have to, you know, repave that path and try to be like, oh, well, I'll overcome this. He already overcame it. We can say, you know what? I feel jealous and it's okay. It's also helped me as I see people going through struggles that I've never been through. Because I was always, I was ever the optimist before this where I was like, hey, it'll work out. Like if someone was like, oh, my, my so-and-so has cancer, like, it'll work out. I don't ever say that now. I say oh my gosh, that is so hard. How are you doing? Yeah. Because the atonement has taught me that as Jesus Christ used to teach, you know, like mourn with those that mourn. He didn't say, hey, cheer him up. Tell him not to worry about it. He's like, no, no, no. Right. It sucks. <laughs> like help him feel, help him get it, that it sucks. But don't worry. I took on the ball of bitterness, like I, of bitterness. I took on all that pain. So you guys just had to experience a little bit, but experience it with each other. Don't just ignore it, like experience it together. I love that. Experience it together. Yeah. That is amazing. You two are amazing. I mean, you're gems of the planet. So <laughs> <laughs> I'll expect the plaque. To uh, the yes. The first place of gems of the planet goes to Bonnie and David <laughs> McKayla. Like, oh my gosh. I'm making you shirt to say gems of the planet. Yes. Because <laughs> I mean, we have to document the dumb things I say, you know what I mean? Like, it's just a thing. But really, I hope you guys can see now why they are gems, why their hearts are just incredible. And 
I'm, I'm always blown away with the people in my life. And every interview, I'm like, man, I have cool people in my life, just as a nice reminder of all the cool humans. But I hope that this message has inspired you. I hope that it has opened your eyes to maybe a side of adoption that maybe you hadn't seen before. And the ability to love is always there, no matter what the background is, no matter what the relationship is, that that pure Christ-like love can always be there and that this story can inspire you to find ways to love people in your life that might be hard for you to love because everybody deserves to be loved and they are all of our family. So thank you for tuning in this week and we'll talk to you next week. If you want to learn more about how to use gospel principles to strengthen your relationships, I'm a relationship coach and I would be honored to work with you. Contact me through Instagram at HeyAnnieJoy or my website, AnnieJoy.com. 